Let us pause for a moment of prayer. O God, your word brings light to your people now, just as it did long ago. Fill us with your spirit as we listen for your word. Open our minds and hearts to receive the light to guide us and the truth to embrace us. In the name of Christ, our risen Savior, amen. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, had joined Paul, and he wrote what Paul and the other people with him were doing. From Acts 16, 9 to 15. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We boarded a boat at Troyes and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace. There we reached Philippa, oh, excuse me, and the next day we landed at Neapoli. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And there we stayed several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer, and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Theatra, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. The response of reading you will find in the bulletin. And it comes from Psalm 67. To the leader with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. That your way may be known Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, has blessed us. 
May God continue to bless us. Let all the ends of the earth revere him. The following scripture is in your bulletin, but the version that I have is just slightly different. John 14, 23 to 29. Jesus answered him, those who love me will keep my word and my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs so that when it does occur, you may believe. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Eleanor has just read these words from John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. This word, peace, how often do we hear it and read about it? In Luke 2, verses 13 and 14, we read, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Peace is appropriately recognized as the second Sunday in Advent. In Matthew 5, verse 9, we read, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, we read, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Even my friend Ellen Montgomery writes about it. Peace. You never know what peace is until you walk on the shores or in the fields or along the winding red roads of Prince Edward Island in a summer twilight when the dew is falling and the old stars are peeping out and the sea keeps its mighty tryst with the little land it loves. You find your soul then. You realize that youth is not a vanished thing, but something that dwells forever in the heart. 
peace, blessed peace. The human understanding of peace found in the dictionary is tranquility, calm, the absence of conflict. I would suggest that when we attempt to apply that definition to Christ's peace, we cannot help but be disappointed because by its nature, the world will always be in conflict on some level. Friction and turmoil drive nature. We may experience moments of calm, but they cannot last long. Even in the midst of those moments, chaos and conflict abound. Compare the human absence of conflict definition with the essence of the peace that Christ has given to those who love and obey him. The original word he used for peace was shalom. In his culture, shalom was not defined as an absence of something. Instead, it was seen as the fullness of every possible good in heaven and on earth. What he has given is an overflowing of blessings from a loving, benevolent God. Unlike the typical human understanding, the peace of Christ is not offered to us in moments. It is ours every minute of every day. To be one in whom the gift of shalom is opened and enjoyed is to be one who is always aware and fully appreciative of the state of abundant blessedness. The peace of Christ is one that enables us to live surrounded by natural conflict without being pulled in or overwhelmed. There are Christians who are able to live in that state of peace. Chaos pounds at the door, but because the focus is locked on God, the shalom is never threatened. Most of us, though, experience Christ's peace in glimpses. As we mature in faith and the more devoted we are to growing, the longer and more frequent those glimpses last. Without question, an immaturity of faith prevents us from fully embracing that peace. The depth of any relationship depends on the quality and quantity of time spent together. Prayer, study, worship, fellowship, service. Immersing ourselves in the rhythms of the Christian faith, the means of grace, help us grow closer to God. Here I would draw attention to the recent Bible study on the book of Jonah that Reverend John led during Lent, which was a blessing to all who attended. To actually live continuously in a state of peace requires spiritual maturity that comes through such study, devotion, discipline, and focus. Biblical scholar Matthew Henry writes in his Commentary on the Whole Bible that this peace that Christ gives us is his gift to us. St. John tells us, peace I leave with you. When Christ was about to leave the world, he made his will, just as many of us have made wills. His soul he commended to his father, his body he bequeathed to Joseph to be decently interred, his clothes fell to the soldiers, his mother he left to the care of John. But what should he leave his poor disciples who had left all for him? Silver and gold he had none, but he left them that which was infinitely better, his peace. I leave you, but I leave my peace with you. I not only give you a title to it, but put you in possession of it. He did not part in anger, but in love, for this was his farewell. 
peace I leave with you as dying parents portion to their children, and this is a worthy portion. And what a gift Christ gave his disciples and us. This peace given to us is peace with God, peace with one another, peace in our own hearts. All these mean a tranquility of mind. It is the peace he purchased for us and preached to us and on which the angels congratulated men at his birth in the Gospel of Luke. And to whom is this legacy bequeathed? To you, disciples and followers, who will be exposed to trouble and will have need of peace. To you, who are the sons of peace and are qualified to receive it. This legacy was left to them as representatives of the church, to them and their successors, to them and all true Christians in all ages, including us. And what manner is this peace left with us? Not as the world giveth, does Jesus give unto you. He does not compliment us with, peace be unto you. It is not a mere formality, but a real blessing. The peace Christ gives is such of such nature that the smiles of the world cannot give it, nor the frowns of the world take it away. The gift of peace he gives to us is not such as this world gives to its children and devotees to whom it is kind. The world's gifts concern only the body and time. Christ's gifts enrich the soul for eternity. The world gives lying vanities and that that will cheat us. Christ gives substantial blessings which will never fail us. The world gives and takes. Christ gives that which can never be taken away. The peace which Christ gives us is infinitely more valuable than that which the world gives. The world's peace begins in ignorance, consistent with sin, and ends in endless troubles. Christ's peace begins in grace and ends at length in everlasting peace as is the difference between a killing lethargy and a reviving, refreshing sleep. Such is the difference between Christ's peace and the world's. Biblical scholar and author William Barclay writes that this gift, this gift of peace, this shalom, never simply means the absence of trouble. It means everything which makes for our highest good. The peace which the world offers us is the peace of escape the peace which comes from the avoidance of trouble and from refusing to face things. The peace which Jesus offers us is the peace of conquest. No experience of life can ever take it from us, and no sorrow, no danger, no suffering can ever make it less. It is independent of outward circumstances. There are obstacles for peace, for we are but human. Our feelings of guilt when we have done what we know disappoints him can paralyze us. We are taught that when we do what is wrong, we will be forgiven. By our repentance, God cleans the slate so that we can start again. But sometimes we don't allow ourselves to accept God's forgiveness because we can't forgive ourselves. If we would allow ourselves to just let go, the sin would die away but instead we cling to it, rehashing, beating ourselves with it. That only serves to keep it alive. 
So many Christians still carry the burdens of past wrongs, things God forgave and forgot long ago. We need many things in this world. Forgiveness is one, and it is crucial to find that sense of peace, forgiving ourselves and forgiving others. Holding on to resentment in any form will stand in our way. We are smart enough to know that ultimately, anger hurts us far more than the ones we are angry with. It hurts those who love us, too. Not only do our loved ones usually receive the biggest portion, the brunt of our anger, but because of their love, they grieve the unhappiness that it causes us. The peace of Christ comes through acceptance, acceptance of the loving, trusting relationship we have built with God. When I returned to UNB to continue my interrupted studies, I became aware of a characteristic of mine as I worked through my course load. I mentioned this to my sister, saying that I thought I had a bit of a driven personality. She nearly choked on her coffee. A bit, she said. <laughs> Perhaps I always had it and never had been in a situation to realize it. Is this a curse or a blessing? In doing some reading in preparation for this message, I came across the example, of course, of St. Paul. His was a driven nature long before he met Christ and was no less driven after, but he was able to give that drive to God, and instead of changing it, God used it. Even though driven and restless, battered by conflict from every direction, Paul lived in a state of perpetual peace. We read it in his letters. In Philippians chapter 4, he tells us specifically of his contented spirit. We heard this earlier, but it bears repeating. He writes, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything but by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Conflict is the nature of life. When we take our eyes off God and stop practicing the spiritual rhythms, it will seep in and work its havoc on us. But perpetual peace, shalom, can be had by all when we move aside the obstacles. Let go of lingering guilt, hurt, fear, and anger. Learn to forgive and be forgiven. Follow Jesus Christ as our moral compass and accept this gift, this bequest from Jesus Christ, his peace. It is ours, this peace of Christ, but like any gift, it must be accepted and opened in order to fully appreciate it. It must be embraced in order to receive all of its benefits. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. Amen. Let us gather for prayers of thanksgiving and intercession. Our God, whose wisdom and guidance we seek, we pray for your church in this place and throughout the world. 
With the gifts of your spirit, may we continue in the ministry that Christ bestowed upon the apostles and his followers in all generations. May we have faith to proclaim your good news and honor the covenant you made with us in baptism. We pray for your guidance and wisdom to move with power in the world, working in leaders who rule over nations and govern our common life. May your ways of truth and justice prevail amid the world's captivity to sin, violence, and greed. We pray for peace to prevail in places of conflict and destruction. We seek your blessing for Presbyterian World Service and Development and its partners who support so many who have lost homes, families, and livelihoods amid disaster and conflict. We pray for the renewal of your creation and for the renewal of our lives. Trusting in the restoration and hope you bring us, we offer you our worries and concerns. With silent hearts, we ask you to relieve and restore us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. God of majesty, you approach us in our weakness with compassion. We pray that your tender care may be felt by those who are sick or struggling and those who are broken or bereaved. With silent hearts, we remember before you those for whom we have special concern this day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. God of all generations, we thank you for the lives of the apostles and saints and for all who have died in the faith, especially those known to us who have entered into the joy and peace of your presence. May we be inspired by their example in our own generation and come to share with them the glory of everlasting life. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.